Welcome to Millennial Milkshake, the podcast where three cats from Kokomo revisit, the experience, and review things from our childhood. My name is Colin O'Connell, and I was born in 1994. My name is Josh Kelly, and I was born in 1995. My name is Michelle Potter. I was born in 1997. Guys, I mean, nothing's going to stop us now because we are reviewing Cats Don't Dance. A movie I'm sure Ooh, everyone is familiar with, and not mm. just me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this was Collins, one of Collins' picks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Definitely. I have no experience with this movie until now. Um, not sure about Michelle. Me neither, Josh. Yeah. First time watch, first time hearing of it. So I'm excited to hear about what Colin has to say when he was a, um, a little kid. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of that is I think it fucking bombed, didn't it? <laughs> at the at the oh, movie, yeah. at the theaters. Yeah. Um like huge really letdown at the box office. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because um there I mean I think all right, so yeah, we watched this movie, my sister and I, a lot growing up. Like we were huge Disney kids, uh, obviously, but we also had some just like VHSs in our rotation that were distinctly not Disney. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like a relative bought us a movie for like Christmas or our birthday one time, or if like um our parents just saw that and was like, oh, that looks like Disney-ish. Let's just get that for them. <laughs> but yeah, we had this VHS lying around our house and we would watch this movie. I'm trying to think of like all of the major non-Disney movies that we watched. I think Land Before Time was like number one like the one we would watch, like the ones we would watch the most, or at least I would. But Cats Don't Dance was up there, man. I mean, I knew all of these songs going into it. I knew I knew a lot of the jokes coming up, like just beat by beat. I knew exactly where the movie was going, the songs, specific animations uh, that happened, characters, all of that. I had a very distinct memory of this movie as I was watching it. So yeah, I guess that's my experience with it i wish i had some stuff to say about it because i i feel like when when colin brought it up i i definitely remember the title but i just never watched it and yeah i'm i was surprised how much it bombed because it's it's pretty like well received by like critics mm-hmm. and like and people in general the five people who've seen it yeah i guess yeah you know. yeah i'm excited to talk about it though yeah i'm also really excited to talk about it yeah so cats don't dance uh michelle do you have any history for us? We got some history. So, all right. It was released in 97. It's a Warner Brothers film. Uh, as you said, it was a huge box office failure. Um, I think it grossed $3 million domestically, which uh, its production budget was $32 million, So <laughs> a little rough there. It was the directorial debut of former Disney animator Mark Dindale. So he did, he directed Emperor's New Groove and also Chicken Little. Oh, but those came out after this, right? Yeah, yeah. So this movie was like his first directorial film. But before that, he did a lot of animation with Disney. He did Black Cauldron, Fox and the Hound, did some special effects for Little Mermaid and Rescuers Down Under. Yeah, so so he had a lot of experience going to this. (laughs) So so the worst era of Disney movies. (laughs) Except for Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Gene Kelly contributed choreography for this film, which is pretty cool. 
Oh yeah, they have like a special thanks for him at the end, like uh, after the credits or, or or during the credits or something. Mm-hmm. This is the last like his last film project before he passed away. Oh, something interesting. So this film was originally launched in '93 as a vehicle for Michael Jackson. He was set to produce, star, and be con- a consultant in the music and choreography of it. And they were planning on doing a hybrid, like, live-action sort of CGI film. But the year later, Michael Jackson, like, dropped out, I guess? I don't know. They just totally changed everything they were planning for it, which I thought was pretty interesting. So they went from Michael Jackson to Randy <laughs> Newman on the songs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. And the cast. The cast of this movie is pretty great okay so we've got danny our main character who scott bakula no no no. scott bakula from quantum leap bakula yes he's won four emmys a golden globe crazy weird weird this like him being in this movie is kind of weird and like the lead like the lead yeah yeah the quantum leap guy Mm mm-hmm um sawyer uh is jasmine guy she was on the cosby spinoff a different world good show woolly woolly the mammoth is john rice davies who is gimli in lord of the rings love that woolly woolly the mammoth i did not know that that's nice to know um michelle did you see who sawyer's um singing voice was oh no oh it's natalie cole it's nat king cole's daughter and obviously she had her Whoa. own career and everything oh, wow. but yeah wow. natalie cole is the yeah is the singing voice for Sawyer, which is kind of weird because Scott Bakula sings all of his songs and then they got yeah. Natalie Cole for Sawyer. <laughs> that is kind of weird. Um, Swole the Mammoth, <laughs> fantastic. The Turtle is Don Knotts. Also, big fan of Don Knotts. Mm-hmm. Who else we got? Who is? Oh, King Kong is D. Bradley Baker, who um, yep, was the announcer for Legends of the Hidden Temple. And he was also the voice of number four in Codename Kids Next Door. He's He has a lot of credits. Um, a lot of people might know him as he does the voice for all of the clones and stuff in, uh, in, the, in the Clone Wars show. Mm. And he's, he's all over that. Uh, yeah, he has a very long career. He's a very prolific voice actor. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one, the last person I just noted is Hal Holbrook for Crance and the Goat. Um, yeah, I was shocked by how like insanely talented all of this cast is for this movie that nobody saw. <laughs> and we talk about, I don't want to tip my hand too much. We talk about all of the talent in this cast, but um, I looked it up. The the girl, not the singing voice, but the um, speaking voice role for Darla Dimple. Mm-hmm. She was 13 at the time. And I thought she killed it in this movie. She like, I thought did. she was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. How how old was she supposed to be in this movie? Like ten, maybe. Probably. I'm thinking like prime Shirley Temple age, right? So how old was like Shirley Temple in her movies? No, no older than ten, right? No. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she looks like she looks like a like five or six year old, but like, I mean, how she acts? I'm she acts like at you know at least ten. I mean, she like she has the mindset of like a teenager. Let's split the difference and go like seven and a half. Cool. So canon, it's canon now. It's official. Cats don't dance. Darla, seven and a half years old. Don't add us. Don't tweet at us. Write letters, <laughs> handwritten letters, if you think we're wrong. Right. Or bake us a cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
do we have any more history or are we getting that's about it for history the only other thing i wanted to know is when you look at the plot it says it takes place in 1939 which is like a weirdly Mm -hmm. specific yeah i'm excited to talk about the time period yeah when we when Mm -hmm. we get into it yeah the time period's very yeah um for a reason specific I, i do feel like we don't tend to go into the plot a whole lot sometimes when we talk about movies yeah um so maybe just a quick recap danny's a cat he sings he dances comes to hollywood gets uh discriminated against gets screwed over by darla who's a little shirley temple like but also like the worst person danny overcomes with song and dance and that's the movie that's all you gotta know about this movie (laughs) it's a very short it's like an hour and 20 minutes or something yeah, actually, actually less. It was like, like I think an hour fifteen. So it's very, very short. And it's so fast paced. The first like, yeah, first like fifteen minutes go by like nothing. Yep. Like I mean, when the what what what, what should I call it? Like the the downfall of everything. It like happens, and I'm like, I'm like wait. So like this is where like like the triumph is coming already. Like I was expecting mm-hmm. like a longer. I don't know. It, it, it all happened so fast, and I was like, oh wait, that's <laughs> yeah. right. This this movie is like seventy minutes. Yeah. You blink and you meet and you meet Wooly. Like yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. So I guess we should just uh, go into Apple Facts. No need to transition. Let's just hit right at them real quick. In and out. Let's get them. Michelle will be reading them this time, but I am going to send them to Josh so he can read along with us. If he so chooses. Yep. I'm excited. <laughs> I love when Michelle reads the Apple facts. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, I almost forgot. Okay. So, all right. So actually, I got some fucking shit to say to you two. All right. You you two who sit there and read my hard work. And you know what? You know what happens when I try to give you real facts? You guys laugh at it. All right. Well, I'm a little pissed. <laughs> So I do all this work and I, what reward do I get? You guys laugh at my hard work. Ridiculous. So I have a box of, I don't know if you guys can see, Pocky, not sponsored. Okay. Um, So every time you laugh at my very real facts, I'm going to eat a Pocky. That's a great reward. That is a great reward. I'm rewarding myself. So I'm opening the package and it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a couple Tom Collins in and I need something to eat. Oh man, I love Pockies. Just the regular chocolate kind. I didn't get anything special this time around. Just the regular chocolate, solid classic. So, Michelle, whenever you're ready for the Apple Facts, and remember, you laugh and I eat Pocky. Gotcha. Um, all right, our first Apple Facts. So, we're starting from the end. During the credits of Cats Don't Dance, there are a series of mock movie posters starring the animals from the movie. Included in these satirized posters are Singing in the Rain, Casablanca, Grumpy Old Men, Superman, and many, many more. It's a shame this movie wasn't made in post-2009 world because I want to see a Human Centipede parody poster. Famously, in Human Centipede, the characters are sewed ass to mouth. For the animal version, I think it'd go goat, hippo, turtle. In which order do you think the animals would be sewn? Oh my god. So I want goat, hippo, turtle. What do you guys think? Um, Between those three? Nope, all of them. Remember, it's not what we want to see. It's what we think it would be if they made the movie. Mammoth first. That's a rough way to start. (laughs) And then Pudge right behind him. (laughs) Poor Pudge. Oh, no. 
can't wait to talk about Pudge. <laughs> okay. Our so- Ooh, wait. You guys have to pick a third one. Oh. We have Mam- We have Wooly Pudge. Who's third? Uh, Cr- Was it Cranston? The goat. The goat. Yeah, the goat. yeah, he's kind of a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should put yeah, him behind the, the mammoth. <laughs> oh, Pudge is getting all of it, huh? <laughs> um, Who goes behind Pudge? Uh, oh, who's the who's the um the the fish? The fish. Oh, I didn't like the fish. Oh. So maybe we... so, yeah, her her and the the goat were assholes. They yeah, were. they they were. I'm blanking on the name. Oh my god, I talked up how much I know this movie, and I forgot I forgot the name of the fish. She said "darling" a lot. <laughs> she was constantly smoking or drinking. You know, Colin Francis Albacore. This is um, before Michelle reads any more facts. When I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, Colin's going to have a fun time with this. <laughs> Michelle, why don't you read our next Apple fact, please? Okay. All right. Our second Apple fact. This entire movie is an allegory for how black actors used to be treated in Hollywood, being largely regulated to bit parts and never getting in, uh, never getting the on-screen representation they clearly deserved. Wait. A movie that uses animals as a stand-in to bring up racial disparity and inherent syst- systemic prejudice? Huh. I guess Utopia isn't as original as you thought. Is it, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to say Moana is basically Pocahontas, then I'm going to say that Zootopia is basically Cats Don't Dance. How I feel about that? 1997 movie made no fucking money. Still did it first. <laughs> it's a little different, though. Um, that's... That's uh, that's with humans. Similar. That's with humans. Uh, Zootopia goes into animals only. Different uh, different minorities within animals. Okay, it's different. Similar. Because when I was watching it, I was thinking of that. I was like, I was like, yep, Colin's gonna gonna have a, a field day with this. That's okay. That's all right. You gotcha. You gotcha. I didn't say I didn't I didn't say Zootopia was hundred gotcha. percent original. Gotcha. That's a that's a that's a Colin gotcha moment. That's a gotcha. More finger guns. <laughs> gonna start doing finger guns on the podcast on this audio only podcast yeah you should for all for all our listeners know we're doing i'm doing finger guns at you guys constantly (laughs) all right um our third apple fact so near the end of the movie danny and pudge sneak into a movie theater to bar the doors stack a massive pile of nitrate film behind the screen and set it ablaze while a room full of racists burn just another idea quentin tarantino (laughs) Stole from the vastly superior filmmaker Mark Dindale, aka the director of Chicken Little. <laughs> Ooh, Michelle, you did a good job with that one. I'm not eating a pocky. Good job. Ooh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So Quentin Tarantino hack. Hack. <laughs> oh my god, this one's long. Okay, settle up. All right. Um. Ooh, our our fourth Apple fact: Cats Don't Dance is a Warner Bros. movie. Do you know what else is a Warner Bros. movie? <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Warner Bros. <laughs> Excuse me. That's what she wrote. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what it's. It's Warner Brothers. Bros is short for brother. <laughs> well, that's what you wrote. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all right. All right. Rewind. Cats Don't Dance is a Warner Brothers movie. Do you know what else is a Warner Brothers movie? Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is a four hour second chance at a terrible movie. And all on. Oh, my God. <laughs> In all honesty, it's fine, which is significantly better than the original theater- uh, theatrical release of the movie. However, something that's been bugging me is that people are praising Jared Leto's performance as the Joker, as well as the dialogue being Harold 
on Twitter as the best interaction between Batman and the Joker. And fair enough, I mean, it takes a genius to understand the subtle complexities of the Joker offering Batman a reach around while Batman replies, I'm going to fucking kill you. Oh, did I say genius? I meant it takes the cognitive ability of a 25 to 45 year old man child who creeps his pants as the thought at the thought of Batman swearing. <laughs> Grow the hell up and see some of the world before you die of cardiac arrest from too much fake popcorn butter clogging up your arteries. Oh my god. <laughs> so harsh. Colin's got some grapes. Josh, don't read this last one ahead of time, please. Okay. Yeah. Apple facts, right, guys? Apple facts. Our last, our fifth, and our final Apple fact. Phew, that was a long one. Uh, hey, do you know what? Do you know what else is a Warner Brothers movie? Space Jam. You know, that movie where everyone wanted to fuck the rabbit. I can honestly say though, there aren't any animals in this movie I'd like to fuck, except for maybe Pudge, little penguin ass. Hmm. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> little penguin ass. <laughs> I had a lot of fun writing that one. So it's we like Pudge, we right? like Pudge. <laughs> it's just a cute little So cute. Got that cute little penguin ass. He's so dumpy. <laughs> he is dumpy, isn't he? <laughs> he is. That's a great way to describe him as dumpy. <laughs> so um How were those pockies? Oh, I think I had like five. Michelle wouldn't stop laughing. The torture that I put myself through for this podcast. You got jokes. Unbelievable. You got jokes. No jokes. None of those were jokes. They were all real. All right. Facts. Verifiable facts. Every single one of them. So now that Apple facts are done, do you want to introduce, um, I don't know, do you want to call it a segment or just, Josh, how do you want to so, do this? Um, I, well, are we talking about the, the tropes, the, yeah. the TV tropes? Do we want to call them Josh's? Trope mania just came up with it. Wow. Or um, creamy tropes. I don't know. Ooh. Um, okay. Whipped tropes. <laughs> freshly whipped tropes. Josh Sicali's freshly whipped tropes. <laughs> Trademark. Okay. So creamy tropes, ready troped, whatever you want to call it. Some kind of whipped cream trope. I don't know. Um, <laughs> ready troped. <laughs> um, I found this this site, um, tvtropes.org. And this actually broke down a lot, like all the characters in Cast Don't Dance. Ooh. And it really goes into, I mean, a lot of detail. I'm not going to read all of them. I'm just going to read some some highlighted ones because there's just like bullet points and just a lot, um, especially on like the, ma the more main characters. So, you know, kind of dissects a lot of their qualities and just like some stereotypes that, that some of these characters pretty much are. So we'll start with Danny. Who's obviously the like the lovable, determined go-getter that undergoes a lot of you know he's 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 clearly ignorant when he gets to this world of Hollywood you know thinks he's gonna make it big instantly. So there was one I saw here that actually got me thinking of another movie. They talk about his relationship with Sawyer, who's where is it? Let's see. They talk about the common trope of the brooding boy and the gentle girl, but these are mm -hmm. flipped. Um, so he's like more of the gentle type, and she's like kind of like dark and like kind of like cynical and stuff like that and it really reminded me of um the relationship that Emmett and 
Wild Style and Lego Movie have. I don't know if you guys have seen a Lego Movie, but um, when I when I read that, I was like, wow, this is exactly like their relationship. And Mm. I so it made me connect Danny to Emmett, which it's he's actually very much like him. And I love Emmett. I don't know about you guys, but I love Emmett. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of cute and funny that there's like some some similarities with this in the Lego Movie, not just Zootopia. Um. But that doesn't stop Lego Movie from being a fantastic movie. True. Let's see what else we got here. So two of the big ones were Max and Darla. Darla is the biggest one. I'm gonna save that one for last. But Max, I mean Max. Okay, let's, let's talk just, about. I Max. mean, I'm excited to talk about let's Max because yeah. When I before I read this site, I was watching it and I was like, what What is this? Who is this? Yeah. What is he? Mm-hmm. He is a mix of an ape and literally thought Frankenstein's monster. And then when I read this, that's exactly what it says. It's. <laughs> It says he's ambiguously human. He looks like a cross between Frankenstein's monster and King Kong. I mean, I mean, and that's what he is. And it's it says bald of evil. He's hairless. The man doesn't even have eyebrows. <laughs> so, I, I mean, this guy. It's he's thirty six feet tall. Oh my do, do we do we think he's human? I mean, is, I know he's supposed to be human, but like, was he some kind of oh. like? I mean, what is this guy? What do, wait, what do you mean? Like, do we think he was like originally supposed to be an animal character and then he got changed into a human like in production or? I don't know. Like, is he... Within like the world. Are we supposed to believe this is just a normal human walking around the size of a building? I mean. <laughs> yeah, I think we are. Because <laughs> I'd like to see him fight King Kong and Godzilla. You yeah. know, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's, he's like bigger than Godzilla. Like fairly certain. <laughs> he's a big dude. He's a really big dude. Um, you know what's funny? I just thought about it now. The there were books uh, that I read growing up, Artemis Fowl. I'm, I don't know if you guys read them or not, but the one character is a butler, and he's like the muscle for like Artemis the kid, and um, he's not like thirty something feet tall, but he's like a big dude, and he's like 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 a combat expert and stuff. So what is it with butlers, man? Like what's going on? Yeah. So Max is clearly, he's clearly the trope of like the dumb giant that's bossed around by this little, this little bitch girl telling him what to do. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're paying this man to just do whatever she says, but it's gotta be a lot because this, he seems to enjoy it. He does. I guess. I mean, they give him, I think it, he's into it gives it. him a job to like, you know, beat people and, you know, just overpower anyone that, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't even use doors. He just walks through walls and breaks like, yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> no care There's in the a world. Great... <laughs> Did you guys notice the one bit when Danny is at Darla's place and they're walking out of the house and they walk out of the one room and he like Max growls at Danny and everything. And then they're walking and they pass Max and then they walk at the door and Max is just there again. And he grabs the teeny again, like he like teleports to this, to, like from the one door to the other door. It's like a continuous shot. It's so I think funny. they go into it here. They talk about his stealth and just yes, <laughs> and just and they say apparently Max is some kind of expert despite his size. Um, so yeah, Max. I mean, he was he was a pretty like fun guy to watch on screen just because of how ridiculous he is. And it talks about his undying loyalty to miss dimple i thought i did think when we were watching it that we were going to see some kind of like turn in character but nah, we, we don't he's, he's just a dick he's mm-hmm. straight yeah just i like, also thought that oh my god he's listed as a kaiju on this <laughs> a what 
a kaiju that's just like a big monster basically but there's like a specific term for it like godzilla and kong are like kaijus and stuff clifford the big red dog kaiju that's crazy oh wait they have a section here where they say off-screen teleportation and they talk about when they're in the mansion (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's implied max can actually move incredible speeds as he managed to move away from Darla to pursue Danny in the theater without anyone noticing, as well as quickly pursue Danny on the balloon float seconds after seeing him on it. Which is weird because the way he's, well, I guess he's technically introduced in the very beginning during the opening narration, but his like proper character introduction, he's very slow moving and he's like marching through the studio and stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And then there's that moment when he, he walks back through the door where he came from and then he doesn't like walk like you don't see him walking away once he reaches that point he like snaps out of existence and there's like a big shining light <laughs> and he's just gone like a puff of smoke <laughs> I love so max. so yeah that's some that's some some trope some tropes for max and now we're going to get into the very detailed darla trope that Ooh, they go into right. on this which i was i was pretty intrigued with and so she is obviously the the stereotype of the bratty, spoiled child star that somehow just gets everything she wants. Um, we never see either of her parents, so we gotta just think she just lives in this big mansion alone with Max. So she's around like 10 years old. Um, she's clearly evil and very bratty, but what caught my eye here is that they they talk about how she represents each one of the seven deadly sins. Ooh. Yeah, so let's scroll. So, first one, Wrath obviously short temper and any any chance she gets she just lashes out on anyone if if she doesn't get her way um so that's an easy one gluttony clearly i mean this girl eats she eats everything and she's and she's very she's she's chubby like she's a she's a chubby chubby girl mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um which i mean is that like i don't really see that much with like like the stereotypical child star um so i don't know if they were just doing that just to like i don't know if they were going for this whole seven deadly sins thing i wonder if they were uh, for I mean I think when we think of child stars we obviously have a different like reference to it like we think of like what like Macaulay Culkin and Haley Joel Osment and stuff like that but she's definitely based off of like the Shirley Temple bold sing dance yeah um you know everything like that so maybe that was more like I don't know she's just more I don't know realistic is that makes sense I mean yeah she I mean she is like I mean kids kids. Kids can be chubby and kids like to eat sweets, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm chubby. I like to eat sweets. So so clearly, <laughs> so clearly Gluttony has, I mean, in at the end when she's in the balcony, she's like just scarfing it down. She's she like, is. She, yeah. like, I oh. mean, it, like it's her last meal. She's digging in. Yeah. Last supper, last snack time, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So um, lust obviously craves attention, manipulates others by acting adorable and then you know, pretty much kicks them to the side when no one's, no one's around. So it's not, I mean, these are all very obvious, except, you know, the pride, obviously better than everyone else. She needs to be better than everyone around her. Uh, Greed, fame, you know, she's clearly fame and money. That's what drives her. Sloth basically talks about how, has, how she has Max do all the dirty work for her while she just watches. And last one, Envy clearly gets jealous if anyone says a word. Doesn't get more clear than that. So yeah, this 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 bitch Darla is just every <laughs> every single deadly sin, I guess. Um, and it, that fits really well, actually. Yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, she, and she does it well. She does it well. So I mean, let's talk about Darla 
first. I mean, they really go all out yes. with like the evil. She is oh, the God. worst. I mean, I think <laughs> she's one of my favorite like kids movie villains ever. I think she's, you know, she's got the song. She's, she's her, even her design. Like she's like, it's hard to explain, but she has an unsettling design while also like going for that like cutesy looking thing. Like she obviously looks, she, like you look at her, she looks like a little shit, but also it's like, but she's like drawing like this cute little girl and it's, I don't know how they did it, but they kind of nailed her design. And like I said, the voice acting, she, like, I'll have to look up who the voice actress is because she definitely deserves a lot of credit for her performance. I thought she was, I thought she was better than Bakula, if I'm being quite honest with you. Ashley Peldon. So Ashley, if you're out there, girl, you nailed it. Fantastic. Just Good fantastic. job. And Lindsay Ridgway for the singing voice. But I mean, how do we feel about, well, let's get into the song. What are our thoughts on, on her big villain song? It's a two-parter. Right. You got big and loud. I'm trying. I'm honestly trying to. I remember I didn't really care for him, to be honest. Um, yeah. <gasps> yeah. Wasn't big on him. I What? You yeah. didn't like big and loud? I don't remember liking it. I liked it. But oh my yeah, God. I don't remember being super excited or like blown away by any of the songs, really. The songs were okay. Oh, oh my yeah. God. They were just like, okay. I think I liked, the, I liked some in the beginning, I think. And at the end. But a lot of them in the middle, I was like, eh. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's one song we'll talk about that's um rough, but um, I love the songs in this. Well, okay. I love a lot of the songs in this. I love, I thought Big and Loud, the way that they, and, and the animation that goes with both different versions and how they're so polar opposite. Um, She has like a, the first reprise, it's when she's like, it's her song to Danny. She's trying to convince him. You know, you got to go out. You have to have this big performance and everything, you know, how to make it big and loud because that's what the people want. And she does it with a lot of fanfare and everything like that. And then once he leaves, she has the reprise and it kind of reveals like a little pieces of her plan and it gets all dark and everything. And she's looking into the mirror as she's singing it. I mean, I thought, I mean, you guys didn't love the songs, but Randy, Mr. Newman, you knocked it out of the park with that one, boy. I'm just going to say it. Props to Randy. Props to Randy. Yeah. <laughs> so the only note I have from that song is the fact that this girl had Max clamp like these electrical clamps on her hair for some weird reason. <laughs> I don't know why. And then at the end, he just like he pulls the, the lever down. And just electrocutes her for no reason. I don't know like what that what the point of that was. I know was like, it supposed to be like that's how her hair gets sort of curly. I, I that's what like what I was thinking. They were I don't know if they were supposed to be curlers or like if you ever saw like those like straighteners where you you clamp down your hair into the straightener and you like pull down. I think it's supposed to be like an old like thirties forties like outdated way to like do your hair. You know, this girl literally yeah. got electrocuted. Like, you see it. Like, I mean, lightning bolts. And she was fine with it. Yeah. Which kind of shows she's a bad little bitch. <laughs> she's not to be fucked with. There's one moment with Darla that I have I have a note here. The scariest part in the movie. It was just creepy. When was it? It was, um, it was after he talks to her. And they're, I think, rehearsing. And Pudge is up on the balcony, like, looking down. They're all, like, leaving. 
and Max is just hovering behind him. Pudge has no idea. And you just see Darla's face creep out from the shadows with sunglasses and has like a hood on. And her smile, you have to watch it again. I I wanted to, I should have screenshotted it, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly. And she pulls yeah. out a rope and just like snaps it. And you see Pudge's look of terror and when he hears the snap yeah. and that's it. And it cuts away. And that's it. Yes. But like awesome. her face when she looks out, I was like, what is that? She never looked like that at all. Like, it's like this weird smile she has. Yeah. Her eyebrows She's are like, like angered up. I don't know. Uh-huh. I love it. <laughs> I also wrote... This little girl is kind of scary. Like, she, she scared yeah. me at some points. Yeah. And then they got they got a little Pudge, like, wrapped up, chained up on these, like, <gasps> yes. electrical things about to drown. I mean, yeah, she's, she's terrible. But that's why I love her. She's a great villain. <laughs> and Max is, like, the, the ultimate henchman. Like, he doesn't say much, but he's efficient. He's brutal. He gets it done. Yeah, I and love Max. And he's 36 feet tall. I love when he's, I love when um she's like gloating over Danny, like they're outside of the studio and she pulls up in her car and she rolls the window down, like mocks him or whatever and goes back up. And then you just see Max clearly too big for the car. He towers over it as he's driving away. Yes. <laughs> and he doesn't move his teeth. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but he keeps his teeth clenched every time he talks and he talks with his lips only. And he goes, yes, Miss Dimple. Yes. You know, his teeth are weird, creepy. Yeah, I mean. So, I mean, that's mainly it for, for the um, creamy tropes. Those were like the most most uh, detailed ones I saw. The rest are pretty, like, pretty standard ones. Um, I, Oh, wait, one more. The, the clear, like, stereotype of the French director. Like, I mean, it doesn't get, at, like, more basic than that. I don't know who's paying this guy to, like, I guess because Darla's such a big star, that's why he needs her in the film, I guess. But, I mean, this guy is just, he's just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> Yeah, there are some moments where it gets a little too wacky for my taste, and he's definitely a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I get that, because I, I see that a couple times in the film. Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, we forgot this is a kid's movie. Uh, I don't know animate something wacky put it in the yeah, frame it gets like it gets like a little too caricature for me sometimes yeah which sometimes it's fun sometimes it's fun and funny but like sometimes <laughs> it's like it's like really heavy but it also kind of sucks because i think a lot of the dialogue in this is so quick-witted and fast-paced and like clever that i don't think they needed so much of this like yeah. i guess you have to do it for the kids but there is some pretty, you know, so, like that opening sequence when he goes, not opening sequence, but when he goes into the agent's office and it's just, they're playing like jazz music in the background. It's just mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. It's like every single line is a joke. They're like, like it's back and forth, back and forth. Like that's, it's crazy how much comedy that they like, how many like quips and lines and jokes that they fit into this like little segment. I love when he meets Sawyer and he's like, hold on. He's like, wow, you're... <laughs> you're soaking wet it's is it raining outside <laughs> that's like one of my favorite lines in the movie his delivery is so is so nice it's like it almost looks like he's just like like just like busting her balls like being sarcastic is it raining outside like <laughs> yeah it was perfectly it was sunny when i was out there i think he says so do we kind of want to break it down kind of like beat by beat of this movie yeah yeah all right so opening shot, opening of this movie, the narration kind of threw me. I didn't remember any narration, and it's never in the rest of the movie to begin with. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Don't think it was necessary at all. Because we get all of the information that they give us in that sequence, we get throughout the rest of the movie anyway. They, they say, oh, she's there's this little girl. She wasn't what she seemed. There's this small town cat with big dream or whatever. We get that in the movie. You know, they show it. Yeah, that was definitely... That was definitely like for the kids, like just which I mean, it kind of it kind of like affect like, I mean, that little part just spoon feeding unneeded. Yeah. Yeah. I sure. wonder if they were just afraid of like how kind of different it is for a kid's movie that they were like, oh, well, maybe we should do like a fairy tale trope opening kind of like a sh- like Shrek does almost mm-hmm. to kind of like hook kids in. But definitely was not necessary. This is the second movie where I would have taken out the opening sequence just completely and just because there are better scenes that should have opened it so actually colin so since you said that you brought a similarity to peewee with the opening Mm -hmm. there's a clear like there's a there was a similarity i saw in darla with the little kid at the end the uh the kid actor in peewee with the bike do you remember how like bratty he was the kid actor with the yeah so when peewee's trying to get his bike yeah and he's he's with the nuns yes 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 just like how awful he is to like everyone around him that that was darla on like a lower yeah. scale. Movies hate kid movie stars. <laughs> it seems. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> they really do. Like if you're a kid in a movie playing a kid in a movie, you're a dick. <laughs> um, but then that opening song hits. And again, I think they're just, it's weird because no one in this movie is singing it. It's just the song. Like in this movie, like none of our characters, like you have a musical, but no one's singing it like within the universe right. so that's kind of weird <sighs> yeah I, I i don't know and again danny's song comes on after he gets to hollywood and it's a much better song than the opening song mm-hmm. I, yeah. I i like i i will i have been walking around before i watch this in anticipation singing that song to myself like, it's just something that's stuck in my brain. Yeah, they should have put that in as the opening, I think, too. Yeah, I agree. And you see the sun comes up and it glistens up and makes Hollywood look like gold, you know, where the streets are paved with gold. So let's talk about um, Farley Wink for a second. I wish he came back, the the agent. Mm-hmm. This clear, like, I don't know. I mean, when I saw him, I was like, this is a caricature of, like, Bob Hoskins and Danny DeVito. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it. I think I I thought of Roger Rabbit for some reason, but just like the most ridiculous, like, I don't know. But he was he was like entertaining to watch, but he was only in one scene. Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, he was funny. And I guess he just kind of gives the roles to whoever walks in the office for for this role, for this like movie. (laughs) Oh, wait, I have a line of his written down. He's on the phone and he's trying to get casting for the Noah's Ark movie. And he's on the phone and he says, send over two lions and two chickens, but don't send them in the same box this time. And he hangs up the phone. <laughs> yes, I love that line. <laughs> like he's just at his, he's, he's, he's so strung out. He's so busy. He has a lot of stresses in life, but he's just loving it. He's chomping on a cigar. He's in love with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have a couple um, questions to bring up. So this is set in 1939. Which I I like I like that like the decision of that because I was like prime Hollywood I think right like that forties fifties mm-hmm. so I love when they're walking through the production sets and they're walking on the yellow brick road um and they see they see King Kong walking with the model Empire State Building and the airplane <laughs> and he's got this high pitched voice <laughs> it was one of my favorite parts when Sawyer asks like King Kong how's it going and he goes oh don't get me started yeah. <laughs> it was so good. 
<laughs> but like a couple times in this movie, they re- they like just throw in Wizard of Oz, and I get like that was when it was made. But that really got me thinking. I'm like, all right, so I have so many questions with the the animal plot plot point in this movie, like how animals are in real life in this universe. They can speak, they can do all this stuff like a human. So first off, Wizard of Oz, I wonder if they had a real lion. I, I'm assuming they did. I wish I saw mm. like the cast, you know, and like the. What about Toto? Yeah, like like yeah, I want to see like all the animals for this cast for the Wizard of Oz. So that just got that just got me thinking of that. But what I want to ask is. So when Danny sees the script for the first time, you know, he sees that he can't do anything but say meow. So he's got to act like a normal cat. Why? So these animals are, the humans know that they can speak. So why, so how come is, is like the audience, do they only see animals as regular animals? Do they have to make this, do they, can they, are they, should they not be able to show animals can speak and sing and dance? I'm just like confused. How come they have to act like normal cats if the humans are already used to this being normal? So I think the implication being, especially because the whole thing is, you know, an allegory for uh, minority actors, predominantly black actors at the time who couldn't, you know, weren't really allowed to break through into starring roles despite any amount of talent that they had. So I think the implication would be there that it's like when white people who would cast these movies would give black actors maybe certain kinds of lines like, oh, this is what black people sound like. Even though they don't all talk in a certain way, say certain things, this is how a black actor would say this line. This is what black people sound like. This is what they look like. And I think that's kind of what the translation is. This is what a cat looks like. This is what a cat sounds like that makes sense you know what i mean you yeah me? yeah which is terribly terribly you know i want to know when cats and when these animals have transitioned to their their meows to speaking in this perfect english <laughs> i want to know when this happened and i mean it it, it had to be a, been a like a long time ago right i mean and imagine live, living in that world where you're speaking to these animals in your in your language so like <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so I have a question. Do the humans fuck the animals in this universe, do you think? I mean... Are there human-animal relationships? I don't think so, but... I don't think there are either. No? Um, maybe. I mean, who knows? Maybe, I mean, Beauty and the Beast did come out before this, and it kind of made it all right, right? So maybe they're... <laughs> I mean, Little Mermaid, she's half fish. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because sometimes... At some point, the allegory does break down because clearly... Black people and white people can be in relationships, but if it's animals and just people in general, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. It's bestiality, but the animals can consent, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they can. They can say, they can say yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little touchy. You know what I mean? Um, but again, well, I guess the goat and the fish kind of have a thing. But otherwise, it's just this Danny and Sawyer are like the ones that are like into each other. And they're both cats, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about the, um, I mean, this is a brief comment, but I like this little little thing they did with the clear MGM studio intro with uh, mm-hmm. Wooly doing it live, but being like completely miserable doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But they just did that once with the lion, right? That they like, or would they, would they do it live? Like, ooh. I don't think they did. No, I don't remember. Cause I'm trying to remember. Did the lion like move differently? It, like in the older 
the older movies did. All I know is in Strange Brew, they do a parody of it where the lion is supposed to roar, but instead he burps and he's not roaring. And then Bob and Doug McKenzie, the main characters are behind him, like cranking his tail like come on he's gotta roar he's gotta roar and then they start growling at him and they run away and they're like shut up (laughs) so that's all i know that's all i'm bringing to the table i have no answer to your question (laughs) yeah i'm just gonna go they they probably just recorded it once but this guy seems like he does it live every single time Mm -hmm. so it sucks they they really they really work him but also he probably gets paid yeah in his um in his uh peanut tea peanut tea i wrote that with so many question marks <laughs> yeah so um i actually completely forgot that peanuts were not nuts and they were peas I, they're legumes yeah i completely mm-hmm. forgot about that so thank you wooly for reminding me that that was a fun little fact that i forgot about can we talk about how wooly has pictures of every animal in his house <laughs> yeah we can <laughs> they're not with him they're just pictures of them <laughs> he just admires them he loves them all Hmm. I'm not sure about this woolly guy. It could be sort of sweet or it could be like sort of unsettling. And I think it's a little Creepy. mix. No, Wooly is a sweetheart. He just he's he's such a gentle giant. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's oh, man, is he good at piano? I don't know how. That's a question I have written down. How does this man play piano? His his mitts, his mitts hit like 10 notes at once. So how can you <laughs> narrow it down to one key when you're playing the piano when you got elephant paws? <sighs> I'm kind of surprised you guys love Wooly so much because I thought the movie, when we meet him, I think I thought the movie started to drag at that point a little bit. Well, is is it because of Wooly or like, did you just think the movie in general was dragging? Yeah, I guess the movie in general, because we go to his uh, little trailer mm-hmm. is maybe the best way to describe it. And then the next scene is when they're dancing in the middle like they're dancing in the alleys and stuff which i think is the weakest song segment of the movie i don't think the song's very good i, I thought the animation was kind of cool like the-, the how they get more vibrantly animated when they start getting into the music i thought that was a cute little uh visual storytelling moment and yeah you know the way that sawyer she's tapping away uh, at her keys into the rhythm and everything and then she realizes it and she goes back to like the more uh drained color i guess Mm-hmm. but i just i don't know some part of that movie it, it kind of drags for like the five minutes in the movie that exists there <laughs> and before we get to darla back to darla at the thing but um yeah i don't know i, I guess i don't have the love for wooly that you guys do i guess i love other characters more i mean he's not my favorite i'm a max guy i'm a darla guy I'm a Sawyer guy. I think Danny's a little annoying. Danny's a little annoying, but when he's like doing his impressions, like how he's gonna say meow, and it's like Bacula, what are you doing? So I think I actually think Pudge is a little annoying. As adorable as he is, Pudge is a little annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know what? Pudge is a little annoying too. Yeah. I really wish they got like an older actor to voice him, kind of like Wheezy, you know, from Toy Story. Oh, okay. I uh. wish I was hoping for like an old, like just like. An older voice, not even an old voice, just like an, a grown-up voice. I didn't want a little kid voice for him because it's like I like I like the like the tiny little penguin, but having like an adult voice, I think that's that's funny. Okay, that's that's play in this space for a second. Let's all go around and name an actor who we think should have voiced Pudge instead. Josh. Ooh, uh, I need I need like a couple seconds. Um, I'm gonna try and think quick on my feet here. I'll go last because I have the winner. But go ahead. Can it be any actor from any time period or like an actor that was working then? Any actor, any time period. 
your dream casting for Pudge? Travis Oates. Mm, from Hollow Notes. Um <laughs> I had to look up his name, but yeah, maybe Piglet. Oh. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's who Okay. Yeah. Michelle. Um Or Joe Pesci. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I'm over here moving all this ice. <laughs> Actually, I take it back. Yeah, probably like a Joe Pesci or some kind of like Italian sounding guy. <laughs> Gotta move all this fucking ice over here. Joe Pesci or um Ray Liotta. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm gonna go current day 2021 Val Kilmer. So oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, or or Biff or George McFly, one of those for for Pudge. Mm. Ooh, that mm. would be pretty good. Mm. What about what about Ray Romano? <laughs> <laughs> no, his brother, his brother. Oh my God, the deepest <gasps> Robert. Yep, the oh deepest voice God. on earth. Oh, Brad Garrett. Yeah, hey Raymond. Brad Garrett. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> and then and then Ray Romano can play Pudge and get Bacula out of there, or, or play Danny and get Bacula out of there. <laughs> um so yeah so darla she uh she has this plan she's gonna frame the the animals to get uh uh what's his name is it jb mammoth the owner of the studio i think it's lb Um, oh lb Mm -hmm. lb mammoth she's gonna frame them so that they're out of her hair um she's gonna flood the studio and make it seem like the animals did it right and it works to her plan works to perfection like it like it works so well it, everything works out for her up to up to that moment and there's a great scene when they're the, the flood is like going through the the studios and everything the 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 back lot and all that and um i guess they're filming like a greek god movie or whatever and he's like <laughs> the guy's like supposed to be pushing like like two columns or whatever and the director goes, we're pushing, we're pushing, and then the water comes, and he yells, we're running, we're running, and they all start <laughs> running away. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes, like the flood scene, especially when it comes out through yeah. the city, and you just get that cool shot of the tidal wave swirling, if yeah, you guys remember. Yeah. Yep. And it just looks, it looks so fun. Like, there's some really cool animation in this movie, like high quality, interesting decisions that they make. That is shocking for a movie that made, what did you say, $3 million? <laughs> like, yep. Like, you can clearly tell there was, like, this isn't some dinky little movie that, you know, is like a cash grab terrible movie. Like, there's a lot of effort and ideas going on here. Um, some of them might work, some of them might not, but. Yeah, this isn't no, this isn't a chicken little. <laughs> yeah, Dindal, what are you doing with your chicken littles? Also, in that scene, the um, when they crash through the costume department, and they're just so perfectly dressed in these costumes, which, like, I mean... <laughs> yes! See, that's the wackiness I'm in for. That's a great sight cag. Yeah, yeah. like, Mammoth yeah. is in the coconut bra. Um, yes. What, Flan- uh, the Flanagan was the French director. He was in the Fred Flintstone outfit. And Cranston <laughs> was, like, the Native American, like, feathers on his head. I don't know what... And Danny and Sawyer have the, uh, like, the Egyptian attire on, too. Oh, did they did they have something on, on them? The boat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that whole flood scene, I just love. Yeah, it's a really, yeah, it's a really cool sequence. And then after that, that's kind of when they're at their lowest. They all blame Danny for getting them basically blackballed from the studio. And then they're all at this little diner, bitching and moaning about Danny. 
there's a moment where the hippo's like talking about maybe going back to Broadway because hippos, she's like, hippos are still big on Broadway. And the fish replies, hippos are big everywhere. <laughs> They're big everywhere, darling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then we get uh, what I think is my favorite song of the whole movie uh, is Sawyer's song. Tell me lies. Yes. What do we think about that that song? I did like also, that one. Also, my favorite song of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking good. I will put that up against like most Disney, not every Disney song, most Disney songs. It's jazzy. It's it's slow. She, I mean, it's Natalie Cole. She fucking belts it out, and it's just ugh, the the visuals that go with it too. Like I have written here, there's a part where um. Danny's walking by uh, the, the like the like the trocaderos in the background, and then it just the back the background fades to black. He's still walking. The rain is happening, still coming down on him, and then it's like a wide shot, and then it comes back up, and now he's in front of the Chinese theater, and like that transition is just it's so interesting and artistic and. I just, I love that whole part. And it was probably the part as a kid that I skipped a lot because it's like, oh, it's a slow song. As an adult, really come to appreciate it. Yeah, if, if it's the, like the songs I'm, I'm having trouble remembering all of them. If it's if it's the scene I'm remembering, then I think that one was also my favorite along with, um, I think the one in the beginning, the opening one. Well, not the opening one, but the one Danny song. that, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- this scene was good. Yeah, yeah. This is probably my favorite scene in the movie as well. Sawyer is great. Yeah, we're not really talking about Sawyer, but Sawyer's pretty pretty solid, uh, you know, female lead mm-hmm. character for this movie. She has her own ambitions and aspirations, and she's kind of worn down. You know, it's it's a kid's movie in the 90s, so it's like, oh, he gets the girl in the end, too. Like, that's a trope that still exists, uh, but whatever. It's kind of cool that she's not just there to be won by Danny. Like, she's, like, talented and can sing and can dance and, like... I think Wooly says that he thought that she was the one that was kind of like going to break the ceiling at some point. So like it just kind of shows like the amount of respect that the other characters have for her talent and ability. Yeah. You know, and then let's see. Danny gets on that bus with that guy who's eating the sloppiest sandwich Ugh. in movie history. <laughs> um, Sawyer, that was a weird thing. Sawyer goes to get to like catch him. And you would think in a typical movie, she stops the bus, she gets on, and she gives like a speech to like convince him, like, we got to go back. But instead, he's just like decides to do it on his own and finds Pudge and they just yeah. do it. Like, that was kind of weird. That was a little weird. <laughs> well, wasn't the like the bus driver was talking about like how animals. Yeah, so, he's I mean, talking he shit. Had his little motivational push. Yeah, it was just kind of weird to get Sawyer all the way to that location just to miss him. I like that. Because, like, you saw her in the window just get there, but the bus moving away from her. So I like that, you know, that's, like, that was a trope they didn't they didn't follow for once. Kind of just, you know. But I love when she finds his hat on the bench, and you see his schedule to, to stardom. And you just see, like, I mean, that man, that man has, has goals. I mean, that, that was, I have it written here. Monday, go to Hollywood, check. Tuesday, get agent, check. Wednesday, and the rest are not checked because he didn't get there, but Wednesday, get discovered. Thursday, go to premiere. Friday, land a big part. I mean, this guy has, like, I mean, this isn't in a year. This isn't in a month. It's in one week. One of my, like, favorite lines is when, like, the meow part, like, doesn't go as planned. And he, like, takes a seat and he's like, well, I guess this is going to set me back whole day. No, maybe half a day. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it is just so great. He's so positive. Yeah, but he uh, he ends up do- he he does end up getting all those things checked out checked uh, on his little list because they go to the movie premiere, Darla's movie premiere, which is fucking crazy that this movie was being shot and then put yeah. to film within a week. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, these these characters in this movie are just efficient as hell. I mean. <laughs> They really are. <laughs> they were filming the movie on Monday, and the movie premiere is on Friday. Unless it was just like a pickup shot, but there's a lot of extras for just a single, like, for just a pickup shot. No, I mean, yeah. I'm not surprised. And the this... studio got ruined. <laughs> How'd they finish it? I mean, Danny, if Danny has a has a 10-year plan con- condensed into one week, I, you know, and he almost succeeds, I think anybody can, you know, do anything in this movie. Elephants can play pianos in this movie, so there are no rules. So the movie plays, Pudge and Danny sneak backstage, Max catches them, and then Danny fucking ties that that dude to a balloon and sends him off. <laughs> he goes to, like, France or something, right? They cut to him, and he's gone by the Eiffel Tower, and he just goes, Mers Dimble. <laughs> it's like French, generic French music is playing. Um, and then they they sing the song, right? All the animals band together. They sing the song. Nothing's gonna stop us now. How do we feel about nothing's gonna stop us now? I like the end song. Banger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Into it. Yeah. You know, it's a great line. Just a very, very, very genuine, pure line. Which uh, when T.W. gets his um, reads his fortune. I mean, the beginning one in the beginning of the movie uh, is um, is give it up, you loser. Yeah, then, that's a great one. And <laughs> give it up, you loser. And then his uh, fortune he picks out of his pile of fortunes. They can smash your cookie, but you'll always have your fortune. I love that. Great line. Thanks, TW. I mean, it's not really true because they can also, if they take your cookie, they might have taken the fortune inside too, but it's neither here nor there. It's fine. No, they they don't take the cookie. They (laughs) smash it. Yeah, but you could smash and be like, oh, what's this little piece of paper? And then you rip it up or you steal it or something like that. But, you know, sentiment's fine. Sentiment's good. Sentiment's good. Um, So they sing the song and a part of that sequence that i like is darla is keeps trying to mess them up but it just backfires so completely and it actually helps out the animals on stage um i thought that was pretty cool yeah he like tells them to just go with whatever comes yeah just go with it and it just yep and then they uh they do it they do the song they get discovered and then the movie just kind of ends Right away. I thought the ending was a little abrupt. <laughs> it does end fairly quickly because it's such a short movie. It's so short. But like even like you would think that they would have like a like, oh, they did it. They did it. And then you kind of like zoom out from the Chinese theater and then you fade out into credits. Right. This mm-hmm. is just boom. It's done. Cut to get to the credits. Let's go. Curtain. Right away. Yeah. yeah. One thing I, I forgot to bring up is uh, Kathleen Najmi plays the hippo and um let's just we won't say what else she's in but let's just kind of keep a running counter of how many movies we review on this show that has her in it all right so that's one for the kathy count all right all right kathy count mm-hmm. kathy count is at one um because she's in some stuff so is there anything else we really wanted to say about cats don't dance that's all i really have for it yeah me too all i right. think i covered everything well we should get into ratings. Who wants to go first? I'll go. I'll go first. Okay, Josh is gonna go first. I was um I was pleasantly surprised by this. I actually thought it was gonna be bad before I saw like any like reviews. I was I don't know. So this was this was a nice a nice fun little movie. So I'm gonna give this 
a 67. 67 out of 95? Yep. All right, Michelle. So I went into this with like zero expectations. I had no idea what to expect. Um, And I also enjoyed it a lot too. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I don't think I would watch it again anytime soon. So I'm going to go 56. Ooh, 56. Damn. All right. Um, I mean, just rewatching it, I had a lot of fun watching this movie again and try to separate my nostalgia from it. So do that. But I just I think I was a little bit higher on, on all of the songs than you guys were, particularly big and loud, which I think uh, our listeners will, if anyone has seen this movie, will back me up. That's a very memorable song. Um, so I definitely think I was highest on this movie and I will give it a, I'm going to go 73. Very nice. And Michelle, yours was? Uh, 56. 56. Comes to a 68.53. We'll round it up to a 69. Nice. Way to go. Cats don't dance. Go cats. 69. That's a solid rating for this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think is. that's fair. So I guess I, I I guess that's it for for today's today's show. So thank you all, and you can uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and you can find us um, anywhere podcasts are found: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all that good stuff. So you guys can follow us at Millennial Milkshake on Instagram, Milk Based Pod on Twitter, and we also have a Facebook page. And you can follow Colin's personal social media. On Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at The Last Call, and that's call with C-O-L. Michelle on Instagram at Michelle Thoughts, Thoughts the Way You Think. And you can follow me on Instagram at Joshy underscore 124, Joshy with an I-E. Thank you, Colin and Michelle, for joining me. Thank you, Josh and Colin, for joining me. Thank you, Josh and Michelle and that little penguin Pudge for joining me. Um fucking I want to get in that little penguin ass <laughs> thanks dumpy <laughs> thanks, thanks dumpy stay dumpy, dumpy. <laughs> stay dumpy <laughs>